You're listening to XVGM Radio. Welcome to XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. I'm Mike. And I'm Justin. And this is episode 106. Spooky Fest 2023. Yes. This is our 50th year in a row doing Spooky Fest. Damn. Time flies. Time does fly. It feels like only yesterday. Wait, no, that was yesterday. Time flies um, when you're dead. Yeah, yeah. Undead, undead, undead. That's right. Everyone's dead here, including <laughs> us. No. And the bands. And everybody, yeah. So we are once again out and about outdoors at a wonderful spooky fest festival that we host every year. Definitely not indoors. It is absolutely outside. Yes, and it is uh, It is the day that you're listening to this, not any other day. Yes, exactly. We are live. Live and in charge. Live and undead. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh. our first track on this spooky night came from I Spy Spooky Mansion Deluxe. This came out on the Wii in 2010. It also came out on the PC uh, Windows and mm -hmm. I believe Mac OS as well mm -hmm. in 1999. It also got a deluxe version in 2004. The Mac version did come out in 99. So, oh, wow. So, yeah. so this is actually a classic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then they, re, you know, basically brought it back up again for the Wii, hmm. which it fits. I mean, you know, I first found out about this one because my daughter and I have been going to the library recently because we have a library here in our town. And mm -hmm. uh, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, it's something to do for our kids that doesn't cost us any money. We're <laughs> taxpayer dollars, you know, yeah, so, yeah. hey, we're paying for it may as well, you know. So we get to go and, you know, they have an extensive CD library, which I was like, yo, I'm going to take some CDs out, DVDs and movies and everything. They got a whole great kids section there. So we found this book, I Spy Spooky Mansion. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, let's check it out. So it was a lot of fun to try to hunt down some of the stuff. I was like, man, I cannot spy this. <laughs> I can't, can't, I can't find, find them. Yeah. There were some. I was just like, wow, I cannot find these. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, while I was digging for tunes, I found this and was like, oh, that's perfect. Hmm. So. so, so this game is like uh like, like one of those like find the hidden things. In yeah, yeah. Games? I spy with my little eye, yeah, you yeah. know, and then they give you basically hints as to what you're looking for, and so you're just looking around this giant image of what those. If you could find those things, everything's very well hidden. Some are pretty mm. obvious. I mean, they they've been out for forever mm -hmm. but i feel like they've been getting more popular recently or maybe i've just been getting older and, yeah. and i've been seeing them more. that's what it is but, i mean i, I <laughs> 
it absolutely could be. Just like you're, you're at that age where the, it gets thrown at you more because right. that's how the algorithm works. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've seen the like, Game Grumps. They've played, I think, in past years, they've played like Halloween type uh, type games and those. Mm-hmm. Uh, around the holidays, they play holiday themed uh, games that cool. are that are the I Spy games. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I see them every so often on like the Google Play Store. And I think my mother plays them too <laughs> on her, on that's her iPad. That's it. That's how you know we're all getting old. Is we're all like, I want to play some I Spy games. But I mean, it's low stakes. It's low oh, stress. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's cool. Like it's it's something to do because because you're you're doing something. You're you're looking for the stuff. You have to pay attention. Yeah. Uh, and it keeps your mind active, which yeah. is important as you're getting older. Yeah, so. a lot, lot like the like the Sudoku games, the the nonogram uh, games that I like to play. Like they're not stressful. Uh, I mean, they can be when when it just like doesn't make sense, and you're mm. trying to like figure the puzzles out. But right. Yeah, they're they're. I understand the allure of these games for sure. I also still like action and violent games. So. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this track was called Scavenger Hunt, and it's a kind of a short little ditty. It's by Bong and Dern Inc., which is made up of Chris Burke and John Dylan Keith. So we'll get into them in just a second. The song kind of reminded me of something from like Mortal Kombat 2. Oh, okay. Uh, those like very tinny tribal drums in particular, like the like those like tom. They're like really they're like really high rim shot almost. <laughs> Uh, drums, uh, so that kind of mixed in with those very booming, like, you know, kind of uh, bassy drums. Mm. Uh, the whole thing just really kind of reeked of Mortal Kombat 2, and in the best possible way. Like, if you <laughs> told me this was in Mortal Kombat 2, I'd be like, yeah, I believe you. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. yeah, I'm not familiar with uh, a lot of the Mortal Kombat music, actually, because I, I never really got into the series, but mm. uh, I, I would say... I thought that this was appropriately spooky music. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the music in some of the like spooky-ish kids shows. I'm sorry, like, the what? The spooky-ish. That's I'm why sorry, I didn't, the what? No, no, it's only ish. That's why oh. it doesn't get, doesn't get the full, ooh, because oh, okay. it's only an ish. All right, all right, respect, respect. <laughs> but th- things like, I don't remember Erie, Indiana, Goosebumps, sure. okay. like, the, like the quote-unquote kids horror shows, yes. like they're not really Horror, uh, it's like an it's like there. diet horror, like yes. horror light, or like baby's first horror. Yeah, like like tales from the crypt keeper, as opposed right. to from tales from the crypt. Right, right, uh, right. You know, it's a Saturday it's morning cartoon, but still not quite as light as like Willy Wonka. You know, but like <laughs> that's got some horror to it. Yeah, but not quite as dark as like I don't know, like Coraline. I don't know. <laughs> Coraline's, okay. Coraline's okay. kind of dark. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's still it's still a kids movie. Sure. But sure. It, it is it is definitely a darker kids movie. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris Burke is our first member of Bong and Dern, credited for quite a bit, starting off with Gahan Wilson's The Ultimate Haunted House. So again, hmm. sticking with that spooky motif. Did a game called With Open Eyes in 1995 for Windows 3.x. Jumping around uh, a bunch of the I Spy games. I Spy Treasure Hunt, I Spy Junior Puppet Playhouse. I Spy Fantasy, lots of stuff like that. Jewel Quest in 2004, they did music and sound effects. Uh, their latest game was this in 2010. Right, right. Uh, via the Wii game. So, Neat. Yeah. John Dylan Keith, a lot less stuff. <laughs> 2001's I Spy Treasure Hunt. Little Bill Thinks Big, not about Bill Clinton, in 2003. Uh, and I clicked it just to make sure it is just an <laughs> educational game. I Spy Fantasy in 2003, and then this game in 2005, the deluxe version they're credited gotcha. for. So, yeah, probably uh, what happened is Chris Burke designed the mu- did the music, and John Dylan Keith, uh, I'm assuming, arranged it. Or, uh, yeah, or uh, worked on it for the deluxe version, which right. most likely got converted over to the Wii version. So, right, right. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. So before we kick things off, we've got a little special surprise for for Justin here. <laughs> I have picked up the Mountain Dew Voodoo. This voodoo? is yeah Voodoo. This is the <laughs> mystery flavor of, and I'm gonna crack it open. Ready? Here we go. So I'm gonna crack it open, and we're gonna take a sip, and I figure we'll just get drunk on Mountain Dew Voodoo. <laughs> Cracking open a cold one with the boys. Uh, yeah, you know, you know how we do, except it's sugary soda, because you know none of us drink really. So <laughs> that's true. So cheers to uh, right over our mixer. Yeah. Yeah. Safe. Yeah. Let's see. Oh wow, that is very sweet. That is very cherry. Um, it's cherry, right? No. No. No, because I, I I very much like cherry. Not that I don't like this, but like <laughs> I I know I know cherry flavor. Yeah, what fairly is well. that? It definitely. Are you I'm, sure I'm, that's I'm tasting? Not cherry? I'm tasting some kind of berry. Boy, I'm confused. I had that pegged for cherry. Yeah, and that uh that, that is a clear soda, which is it uh, is very fun. clear and very soda. So by the end of uh, this episode, we will probably be dead from drinking this, but. I figure we'll move on to our next track. Uh, we've got Secret of Mana coming up, and you wouldn't normally think Secret of Mana for Halloween. Yeah, time. what are you doing? Yeah, what are you what are you, what are you doing, Mike? Super Nintendo. This game actually just got its thirtieth anniversary the other oh day. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. nineteen ninety three was the year of release. Ceremony is the name of this track, and it's by Hiroki Kikuta. Right, we are back, and that was the very creepy Secret of Mana game song Ceremony. That came out in the Super NES in 1993, and that was by Hiroki Kikuta. Oh, man. Yeah, that was something. Every time I hear anything from Secret of Mana, or really just think of Secret of Mana, or somebody mentions Secret of Mana, <laughs> um, somebody I follow on YouTube, the Happy Console Gamer. Oh. Yeah, Happy Console Gamer did a video on the 30th anniversary that just happened, like, the other day. Mm. And, man, I left a comment, and I'm surprised nobody has shot back and been like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I've had this game... I've never played it, first off. This, I've never played Secret of Mana, like, as a kid. Mm. 
Like, never played it. Never owned it. I was a Chrono Trigger guy. Like, that was my first, like, yeah, real yeah. RPG experience. That, and I, I guess I played a lot of action RPGs, like Zelda and, um, like, East, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. But, yeah, never really played anything else. This is an action RPG that came out uh, in 93, and uh, it got great reviews. It's considered one of the best games on the Super NES. I've literally never played it. And it's <laughs> sitting on my shelf over there, complete in box. Never played it. You make me sick. I make myself <laughs> sick. How dare I? So I, I have played this game, although mm. I've never beaten it. I think I've started this game like three or four times. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's just when I think of RPGs and generally when I want to play an RPG, I want to play something that is either like turn-based or ATB style. Okay. And this is, like you said, an action RPG. And it plays a little bit differently than your Zeldas mm-hmm. and your, your other action RPGs like that. And every time I sit down to play it, it's very fun. And the novelty doesn't necessarily wear off. I just kind of get distracted by other things. Then anytime I want to come back, I always have to restart because I just have no idea. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely one of those games that, much like Chrono Trigger, you probably can't, like, play and then, like, not play for, like, eight months if you've never played it before, you know, and then Mm. come back to it. You'll be lost. So Yeah, no, that's for sure. (laughs) And I don't know, like... I, I do enjoy this game. I enjoy the music in the game. Yeah. I enjoy the, the fighting system and the characters. I just, I have never beaten it. I don't remember how far I've gotten. I was saying, you know, while we were listening to this, I think I've gotten as far as this, but mm. it could just be like this game also has a great soundtrack. Yeah. I have the game soundtrack and I've listened to it many times. So yeah. I'm just trying, I cannot remember if I've actually gotten to this point in the game or if I've just heard the song so many times. Yeah, yeah. But I, I love it because it, it is, you're right, you say Secret of Man and you don't think, oh, creepy, creepy music. It's not like Halloween or a scary game. Right. But this track, like the reverb on on everything is, is I feel what gives a lot of this track its creepiness uh, along with like the toy-like sound of that xylophone yeah, yeah. Uh, and then just kind of like the warble but uh, it's, yeah, for, for a very not scary, creepy game, this is a very creepy track. Yeah, I was very surprised by this one. <laughs> I kind of found it by accident. I believe it takes place in the game in the Pandora Ruins, from what I'm Googling. But don't quote me on that, because, again, I haven't played the game. <laughs> um, I was torn on if I was going to do this version or if I was going to try to check out, like, the, the remake. Because mm. they remade the game for PS4. And I never played that one either. Well, do they? So, are you talking about the? Didn't, didn't they remake the trilogy? So they did Trials of Mana, which is, I think, a remake of the third game, if I recall. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember because there, there was. And I have that one and the collection, and I still <laughs> haven't played this damn Jeez. game. I'm so bad. Uh, well, I, you know what's funny is I started up the third game too. <laughs> I was like, oh, let me try this. It looks cool. And I think I played five minutes of it and was just like, oh, man, it's so hard for me to play those kind of games now. Th- that, that's fair. I'm just trying to make, uh, remember, there was a, a remake. Re- it wasn't a remaster. It was a remake that came out somewhat recently in the last few years okay. that people were excited for. And then it came out and it just did it, it bombed. Like, it, it was not it was oh, not a well Oh, was that live, a, live Alive or li- Live No, no, live the, or... this. The, oh, of this. Oh, yeah. okay. I, I hadn't heard that it was bad. The graphics looked great. Yeah, well, it looked I, very faithful to the original. Th- that was a thing. Like the graphics looked cool. Like it was. Yeah. It was the the. It was almost like they they took the sprites and the pixel yeah. models and turned them three D. You're never I, gonna win. You're, like yeah, you know what I mean. Like you're ne- you're either gonna do a one for one replica and remake, and people are gonna be like, oh, it's terrible. It doesn't have enough new stuff. And then mm. you're gonna get the other half of people that are like, oh, it's you know, it's great. 
and then you're going to do, uh, you know, or like something like Final Fantasy VII Remake, and people are going to be like, oh, this is terrible, it's so different, you know, so you're just not going to win. Sorry, yeah. Square. Square Enix, you're just not going to win. Yeah, from what, from what I'm reading, to try to refresh myself on this, the, it, the, the game, it was the remake of Secret of Mana, it, it was very crash-prone, People weren't very pleased with it. Although it looks like the trials, uh, trials of mana. Yeah. Some people are saying it's a fantastic remake. Oh, so good. I, I must. I'm likely getting my re- remakes mixed up somewhere in there. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. So one of these days I'll play it. I swear. It's it's a it's a bucket list game for me for sure. Fair. Uh, Hiroki Kakuda, the composers on uh, on this one, as well as many of the other Mana games, did Sickened in Setsu 3, which is Secret of Mana mm-hmm. uh, 3 or whatever it is. Trials of Mana, I can't, I don't know. Yeah. The third game I, th- in the I think series. it's called Trials of Mana. The first game in the series is Final Fantasy Adventure, which is just Sickened in Setsu 1. That's right. the one that came on the Game Boy. And then Sickened in Setsu 3, I believe, is trials of mana but like the original version of that game mm, yeah because yeah, trials of mana is a different game that came out in uh, 1995 so okay yeah the i i, I must be thinking of the 2018 remake uh yeah, versus been what so you're many. talking about is the the 2020 remake of trials yeah there's been so many mana games i just i'm all mana <laughs> yeah. out i got no mana man mana 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 banana fana fofana anyways kudelka did the music on that in 99 uh, Demon Score in 2012 for the iPhone, uh, and then worked on the Atelier series with Atelier Esha and Lagi, mm. Alchemist of the Dusk Sky. I think that's how you pronounce it, Lagi or Lagi. Worked on Blade Arcus from Shining Battle Arena. I believe that is a fighting game, if I recall. That is a fighting game with uh, Shining Blade characters and Shining Hearts characters. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, and then after the Secret of Mana remake that they did in 2018, uh, they followed it up with Indivisible, which is that uh, indie game that came out, uh, had a Kickstarter, pretty successful, if I recall. And then their latest game is, yeah, I'm going to butcher this, but it's <laughs> Y-I-I-K, which I'm assuming it's... Eek! Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I would say. Maybe it's Eek. Like it's Eek, Eek the Cat. Yeah, Eek the Cat, a postmodern RPG. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they did additional composition on that, so, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. What do you got for us? All right, well, you remember Alf? Well, sure. he's back in Pokemon form. Okay. All right, that's enough Simpsons joke. Uh, uh, this is Ruins of Alf, spelled A-L-P-H, from mm. Pokemon Heart Gold Soul Silver. This came out in the Nintendo DS in 2009, and was composed by Go Ichinose, Shota Kageyama, Hitomi Sato, Junichi Masuda, and Takuto Kitsuda. I got shoe.
Hey, you're back. That was Pokemon Heart Gold Soul Silver from 2009 on the Nintendo DS. Ruins of Alf is the name of that track, and it was composed <laughs> by Go Ichinose, Shota Kagayama, Hitomi Sato, Junichi Masuda, and Takudo Kitsuda. Yeah, I like how thrown off you were by my my <laughs> South Park reference. <laughs> That's just not not where my head was, and I was just. Like, I should have kept recording because <laughs> I immediately hit stop, and then you were just like. There was this long pause, and you were just like, what? <laughs> it was really funny. It was, it, it, it just it caught me off guard. <laughs> it did. You know, this really doesn't sound like Pokemon to me, which is, I guess, a good thing, <laughs> in the sense that Pokemon to me, all the music is very, like, happy-go-lucky. It seems like it's very, like, adventurous. I mean, most of it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then you threw, threw this in, and this kind of echoes a lot of the themes that we're showcasing in this episode so mm -hmm. far. A lot of kind of twinkly, dark keys and synths and instrumentation. With a lot of reverb. Yeah, lots of <laughs> reverb, too. Interesting yeah. that we, we kind of lined all those up uh, yeah. that way. It's almost like we planned it, and we really didn't. We really didn't, I swear. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think we ever consulted with each other when we, when we uh, pick tracks. I don't think Outside so. of, like, the uh, certain episodes when, yeah. when we're doing research on stuff. And intros. Sometimes intros will be like, yes, yes. hey, I want to play this, or this this would work better. But We generally agree on the intros. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. But, so. but yeah, so uh, Pokemon Heart Gold Soul Silver. it's the remake of uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver, which is Generation 2 of Pokemon. So the Game Boy Color ones. Actually, right. I think... Yeah. We're, we're yeah, Gold and Gold Silver, Silver came out on the Game Boy Color, Color? because Red, Blue, and Yellow were, were all, Game Boy. Right. And uh, also but, there was a green in Japan, I believe. I think that was a myth. No, I thought it was real. I don't remember. You're a myth. Ah, uh, nice. nice. Uh, yes, friend. yes, you're right. This is the Game Boy Color. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, and so, you know, the... The sound chip on the Game Boy Color, not so different from the sound chip on the original Game Boy. Sure. But the, this track on the original, because uh, I was I was between those two and what to do, but yeah. this one just sounded so much better. And I mean, you could do a lot on the original Game Boy and the Game Boy Color. Sure. But it was very minimalist. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the echo and what they added in this one actually made it a bit more creepy. Like the original was kind of creepy. Yeah. But it was creepy because... It felt very empty, and this one's creepy because they have more things that, that can give you that feeling. It also, sure. it still does feel kind of empty. There's not a ton going on here. You got mm -hmm. those bells, you got the synths, uh, some strings, there's no percussion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess bells and <laughs> xylophones would be considered like percussion, but sure. still. It's still minimal, it's still a bit empty, but the reverb that they can add on the Nintendo DS, it just added this whole extra level of empty. Yeah. The, you know, the DS really improved upon the audio that was available on the GBA. Yes. You could do a lot more with it. So it wasn't so difficult to work with as uh, the GBA, <laughs> you know, which was more very similar to the Sega Genesis. It's kind of like whoever is working on it really is going to, sh you know, showcase their efforts. Mm -hmm. uh, not everything sounds good on the Game Boy Advance. <laughs> no, no. There's, I mean, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you've mentioned before, like the compression and, and yeah. just stuff like that. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, there is some great music on the Game Boy Advance. Sure. It's, a, a lot of it does have just qualities that make it hard to listen to sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So this game is just basically more of the same, right? Yep. I mean, you're, are you still playing as Ash in this one? Oh, no. Every, every game is a uh, different Protagonist. Oh, it was a different per protagonist. Yeah, because at the end of this one, uh, they, they actually connected this to the first game, because okay. after you beat, the, I think, the champion uh -huh. uh, of the, the region, you then go up a mountain and fight Red, 
who is the, the the alternative name for Ash. like Ash is what they called him in the in the the TV in the series TV show. The, the official name for the protagonist I believe in uh, in the original game was technically Red. If you if you've played any Pokemon game, you you know how they go. You fight through the gyms. You take on the Elite Four. You become the champion. Uh, you defeat some kind of villainous organization throughout. And I mean the later games kind of change the formula a little bit, but that's that's kind of the overarching thing to every Pokemon game. You know, there's some kind of a crisis going on in the background that you you end up inadvertently or advertently helping out with. Mm -hmm. There are a whole host of new Pokemon to find, catch, and train. A lot of uh, beating up giant wads of meat, hanging meat in a in a locker like a like a freezer. Uh, no, climbing up Rocky some stairs, <laughs> right? Montages of climbing stairs. <laughs> Well, I mean, you want to be the very best, right? The best there ever was. Well, you got to take out Rocky then, because he's the very best, the best there ever was. So, oh, man. Yeah. I uh, I played the original Red and Blue, I mean, Red specifically. When Gold and Silver came out, I just, I couldn't get into it uh, yeah. again. Uh, I, I've, I've popped in and out of the series a number of times. It's fun. Uh, mm. I, I, I remember I jumped back in when they did the remakes of Red and Green, okay. uh, Fire Red and Leaf Green. And those were those were good. I mean, they felt very much like the original games. I think my issue with Pokemon has always been too many Pokemon. I mean, you don't have to catch them all. Uh, you have to catch them all. It's literally in the name of the show. <laughs> That's the catch show. Them all. That's, it's not the it's not the game. Yeah, but the game you also have to catch them all. Come on, Justin. <laughs> you gotta catch them all. I mean, only if you want the perfect ending. Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, I picked up Yellow, and I really liked Yellow. I liked playing with Pikachu, starting out with Pikachu. Um, yeah, so I thought that was cool, and the music's good. Pokemon's got good music, so yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I also I, I thought Yellow was a, a good spin on on the original game. Yeah, and I mean they they've kind of done that with every series. You know, Gold and Silver. No, no, Crystal was definitely on Game Boy Color. I remember it specifically because I remember working at Toys R Us yeah. when it came out, or shortly before it came I, out. I know with Diamond and Pearl. The, uh, the the third one was Platinum. Yeah. They need to come up with, like, some more diverse names, like, you know. Well, they, they don't, they don't do it like, like What about anymore. Sour, like, like, uh, like, I don't know, some kind of, like, gross name. They need to go. Is this Earthbound? Yeah, they need to go, like, more, like, mid-90s with this. <laughs> Jeez. Like, Pokemon Trash or <laughs> Pokemon Dumpster and... <laughs> Pokemon Garbage Pail Kids? Yeah, yeah. Po Pokemon Dumpster and, and Pokemon Landfill. There, that's it. Pokemon Dumpster and Pokemon Landfill. I need that to happen. Insane. Yeah. But yeah, they, they, they don't do the, the third game anymore because now it's just DLC. Like Scarlet and Violet came out in the Switch. Mm. Uh, and then instead of making a third game with a slightly a slightly tweaked plot and whatever else, they just add DLC. Which, okay. Uh, it's the way to do it these days. Yeah, for sure. All right. What about these composers? There's like quite a few. Yeah. Most of them are just... Pokemon alums. Okay. So starting with Go Ichinose, uh, they actually started out doing music on the TurboGrafx CD in 1996 on a game called Bazaru de Gozaru, hmm. no Game de Gozaru. And then they got into Pokemon with Pokemon Gold and Silver, the original on the Game Boy Color in 1999. Uh, and then we have them, you know, Sapphire, Ruby, Sapphire, Leaf Green, Fire Red, Diamond, Oof. Pearl. Uh, it's just, it, it's all in here up until, yeah, the last main Pokemon game that they worked on was Pokemon Sword. They also did a composition Pokemon Legends Arceus, which mm -hmm. is, or Arceus, depending on how you pronounce it. Th that is not a mainline game, but it's, 
It's like a it it plays like a mainline Pokemon, but it's set like a hundred years in the past or fifty years in the past. Okay. Um. So like the Pokemon are a little bit different. Hmm. And their last actual credit here is from twenty twenty three is Pocket uh, Pocket Card Jockey Ride On. Cool. Let's see. We've got uh, Shota Kageyama started out doing composition in Luminous Arc in two thousand seven on the Nintendo DS, and then they come into Heart Gold Soul Silver. So this version that we just played, mm-hmm. Pokemon X and Y, Alpha Sapphire. Uh, Pokemon Duel. So their last mainline Pokemon game that I'm seeing here is Pokemon Alpha Sapphire, which is the remake of Pokemon Sapphire that came out in 2014. Mm. Uh, and then from there, they've done like, Pokemon, uh, Pokemon Tournament, Pokemon Duel in 2016, uh, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu in 2018, and finally in 2023, Pokemon Sleep, the uh, the game that is somewhat all the rage against, or not against, uh, somewhat <laughs> all the rage with a lot of the people that I know that like Pokemon where it just, you, you turn it on when you go to sleep or something and it tracks your sleep and the better, the better your, your better your sleep habits are, the better your Pokemon do. So it's, I guess you'd call it rage against the sleep machine. Sure. <laughs> As someone who just got a CPAP, I can agree. Uh, I, I, I can agree to that. All right. All right. And we got a Tomi Sato starting out doing Pokemon Emerald in 2004. Then, Again, Pokemon Emerald, Diamond, and Pearl, mm. Platinum, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, Black and White, Black and White 2, X and Y, Sun Moon. Let's see. Their most recent uh, composition is on Pokemon Legends Arceus. Again, uh, yeah, the last m- po- mainline Pokemon game was Pokemon Sun and Moon in 2016. Mm. And then we've got Junichi Masuda, who I believe is the very best there ever was. <laughs> Started out doing, they, they've done everything in the Pokemon series from production to writing to designing. And they did actually, they, they, so they are the original composer for the Pokemon series. They started out on Pokemon Red uh, and Blue and Yellow. But going even further back in 1989, they started out doing music on Mendel Palace uh, on the NES, Mario and Wario in 93 on the SNES, uh, and then every Pokemon game that's ever been made, they've had some kind of audio uh, audio credit on it, ending actually in 2018 with Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. So uh, it looks like they, they've moved to other roles for the more, for the more recent games. Hmm. And then finally, Takuto Kitsuda started out on Avengers and Galactic Storm in 1996. It was an arcade game. And their Pokemon work started with Pokemon Ranger in 2006 on the DS. And then they came over to the mainline games for Heart Gold, Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Most recent game in their list is Detective Pikachu, the 2016 Nintendo 3DS game. Hmm, cool. Yes, sir. All right. And after all those composers, what do you have next? Yeah. So next up on our spooky show, we have Laser Ghost, which came out in the arcade in 1989. It's not the Sega Master System version. This is different. Mm -hmm. Uh, This song is called Sour Puke, Acidic Content, and it's by Koichi Namiki.
Hey, thanks for joining us back on our spooky fest. <laughs> Fifth anniversary. That was Laser Ghost, the arcade game that came out in 1989. That track was by Koichi Namiki, and it's called Sour Puke, Acidic Content. Mm. Delicious. Well, that song definitely left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, a sour one at that. Yeah. Uh, when I think of the name of this song, though, it really does kind of ring true to the the way that this song kind of progresses. It's a very vomit-based track. And when I say that, I don't mean okay. it's a bad song. It's very jazz-oriented. It's very, like... I, I was going to mention that. that freeform the, 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 jazz. The walking bass uh, was, was, it was something that I, I picked up on pretty quickly. And I was like, okay, like, it's, it's a bit jazzy, yeah. Yeah, I like that walking bass. It sounds a bit like Side Pocket, something from Side mm, Pocket on the okay. Genesis. But uh, I really dig the kind of wobbly uh, synths the the it's just like very up and down. Yeah, it's it's almost Thurman like. Yes, yes, exactly. And that is totally the feeling that you get when you're about to throw up. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, you have this very mm. like, oh, I don't feel so good. And and then the idea of sour puke. Like, one of the first thing you'll taste is this. I call it the sours. Oh, okay. So yeah, you'd be yeah. like, oh, you're like <laughs> talking about uh, talking to my daughter, and I'll be like, she's like, oh, I, I feel nauseous. And I'll be like, do you have the sours? And she's like, what? And I'm like, let me explain. <laughs> you have to explain, like, do you taste something sour in your mouth? No. Okay. Then you're not going to throw up. So, yeah. Mm. That, yeah. I, I don't know that I've ever really picked up on that. My, my, my the trigger that I have that, 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 I know that I'm going to throw up or something is uh, I'll, I'll start salivating for no reason yes, and yes. I won't be able to stop. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever noticed a sour taste. Oh, yeah. No, big time for me. Every time I, uh, I'm about to throw up, uh, I get that salivating taste, you know, the salivating, you know, I'm just like, Ugh, okay, all right, it's coming. And then I get a taste of the sours. Hmm. Yep. And then I throw up and then I break out because every time I throw up, I break out in hives. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sucks. Yeah, like like I have like like on my cheeks and my oldest daughter has the same thing too. So huh. I'm like, yeah, that's where she got it from. So. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. This game is uh, an interesting little Sega game published and developed by Sega. Uh, it involves a uh, quest against a blue demon that has taken over this city and is sending out his evil doers, these goblins and ghouls and whatnot <laughs> to uh, take over the city. And he's also kidnapped a young girl. That's all we know is she's a young girl. Oh. Uh, so you play as one of three heroes, Bill, Max, or Carol, to try to send that demon back to hell. It's a laser gun shooting game. So it's like, you know, time crisis, oh, like that sort okay, of thing. okay, okay. So there's five stages. You just go around shooting everything that moves, basically. And... At the end of each stage, you'll fight a boss, and uh, then you beat him, and then you move on to the next uh, next level. So there's all different limited weapons that you can get to. If you get shot by an enemy, or if you touch an enemy, then uh, you lose part of your life bar, and when it's over, it's over. Mm -hmm. So and you, it's not over till it's over. Well, you put in a quarter, and then you start over, <laughs> or you saying. start, you know, continue. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you know, this came out in the late '80s. So it's kind of got that awkward in-between 
era for mm. light gun shooters, but uh, I thought it was pretty unique, and I thought the song name was ridiculous, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to check it out and see if it's any good, and I enjoyed it. Fair, yeah. So uh, if I don't, I didn't mean to give the impression <laughs> that I didn't enjoy the song mm-hmm. with my comment earlier. It's definitely one of the weirder songs that I think we've played. Sure. But uh, there were a few things that made me laugh, and overall, like I said, I, I enjoyed the, the walking bass, and I actually... I don't usually, so I don't like free jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to pay for my jazz. Now, um, <laughs> but, for, but more free form uh, jazz. It shouldn't have been that funny. No, it shouldn't have been. <laughs> free form feeling jazz like this. Like this definitely wasn't free form because yeah. it's computer generated. The synth really, made it free form sounding. It, yeah, it, made, it, it did give it that feel. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed kind of that, that melody with the synth. And the thing that made me laugh was like the one drum that happened for like literally half a second yeah like, twice in the song right right it, it felt very cut off yeah yeah i thought it was a mistake at first then what happened again i was like oh that's just the drum yep that's <laughs> singular that's, that's it yeah <laughs> but yeah no it was it was it was interesting and it definitely wasn't bad no. I, it was just uh it, it was a it was a wacky waving flailable flitting fl- flailing arm tube tune accurate <laughs> accurate koichi namiki started off with galaxy force 2 in the arcade uh credited as nami nami Uh, Then later on did Dark Edge in the arcade in 1993. So a pretty big gap in between there. Mm. Uh, Worked on games like Virtual Open Tennis, Ninja Jajamaru-kun, some of those games. Uh, Prisoner of Ice in 97 for the Saturn and the PlayStation. Winning Post 3, Guitar Freaks, Magidef Fight Maho Gakuen in 2002 for the Xbox. Then they kind of took a sabbatical from 2007 where they were credited for an old game galaxy force 2 special edition which is part of the sega ages like ps2 line of games mm. that came out uh and then they started doing uh one game they did uh, cotton reboot which is their latest oh, game i have that 2021 they did the stage six and stage six boss music oh, okay nice mm-hmm. nice yeah and that is all. So before we move on, I wanted to go over our first sponsorship. So uh, yes, our, our classic traditional spooky fest sponsors. Yes. Yeah. We, we thank them for their support to be able to do this festival year after year. So sour puke ice cream by Pumpkin Hill Ice Cream Company is our, our first sponsor. Do you have a sweet tooth, Justin? Yes. How about a sour tooth? Sometimes. Pumpkin Hill Ice Cream Company wants to ruin your ice cold sweet ventures with their patented sour puke ice cream. And yes, it's made by real laser ghosts. Taste the magic and the puke and come on down to their ice cream factory in Knucklesville, Vermont. Open Mondays and Tuesdays between 3 and 5 a.m. Free samples and garbage bags given at the door. Good times. Yum. Yeah, delicious. (laughs) <laughs> Let's move on to our next game, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah, a little less pukey. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be from Luigi's Mansion, the 2001 GameCube game. The track is going to be Mansion, the low health version, and it is composed by Shinobu Tanaka and Kazumi Totaka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Okay, that was Mansion, the low health version from Luigi's Mansion, the GameCube game that came out in 2001. Also composed by Shinobu Tanaka, Kazumi Totaka. And Charles Martinet. <laughs> I mean, you can't get... Is Charles Martinet Luigi too? Oh, yeah. yeah. He can't be all the characters. He is. Make sure you tell me that he's, he's also Bowser and he's Pete. No. I'm just... Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, you know, actually, I didn't realize that he did Luigi's voice. I, I legit thought that they had a different voice actor for Luigi. No, no. Mario, Luigi, Wario, and Waluigi are all voiced by Charles Martinet. Wow. Well, wow. were voiced by Charles Martinet. Well, he retired he last retired. month or a month, yeah. two months ago or whatever. Yeah. And wow. it's a shame that, I mean, I'm super pumped for Mario Wonder, Super Mario Wonder. Yeah, yeah, that looks wild. Looks great. Looks like a lot of fun. And you could play as Daisy, which is amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, good times. But... Yeah, he's not voicing any of the characters. He's now stepped down, and he's going to be like, I don't know, part of spreading the word of Mario, whatever that means. I think it's just I think it's just basically code for he got fired, but he's still allowed to go to cons and use his name. He got for, fired? I no, he was... I, I don't. I'm oh, saying oh, I'm oh. speculating. Gotcha, but gotcha. I think what happened behind the scenes was they were like, maybe he approached them and was like, hey, I still want to be part of the Mario thing but i i want to step down you know maybe he's just you know he's been doing he's been it for 30 for a while. years yeah, yeah yeah i was gonna say so almost 30 years and so i think that's pretty much what happened okay. um so i think they have a new mario and i we'll see how it goes it sounds like almost identical yeah i uh, mean not 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 to downplay it because like doing mario's voice well and and making it sound good is not easy but I, I think there are a lot of people out there that can do a pretty good Mario impression. It's and if like you, Mickey if you're Mouse. doing the impression, yeah. A- anybody it, could do, you know, it's like Arnold or Mickey Mouse. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, And I mean, the more the more you do it, the better it's going to sound. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they can hire hire somebody that does a good impression and just work it to the point like, hey, it sounds like Mar- it's Mario. Dude, they should have just Done. hired Arnold. Hey, Arnold? No, Arnold, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a great. Let's a go. It's a me. It's a me, Mario. Or maybe I'm Wario. Listen to me. You got to get the mushroom. Get the princess and get down. Get down. Yeah. All right. So (laughs) anyways, I don't know. I really enjoyed Luigi's Mansion, and this tune is Mm. great. Uh, I love the motif that Kazumi Tataka and Shinobu Tanaka uh, did for this uh, game. The motifs that, specifically, I think that was a uh, Totaka thing, because in almost Every game that he's worked on, or a good chunk of games that he's worked on, he always likes to fill games with, like, one single motif and just, like, change oh, yeah. the track, you know, to fit it. Yeah. Oh, and I, I think it worked really well for this game because, mm-hmm. it, for one, it made the music memorable. Yeah. Uh, and for two, the way that they change things up. So, like, every main level track has, I think, three versions. There's the regular version. There's the this like the low health version then there's like somewhere in the middle so you've mm. got the regular version doesn't really have luigi doing much at all right the, the medium version has a little bit of like luigi's getting scared right and then you got the low health version where luigi is basically humming to himself to keep himself from going crazy right right and i just i really like like I said charles martinet i i, I thought he did a really good job <laughs> with luigi's voice in there yeah. uh, i thought it really conveyed how scared he was mm-hmm. and and like you really get the emotion of how he's feeling trying to hunt these ghosts in this this haunted mansion yeah i could agree with um, that and and you know being on low health like if you don't if, if you mess up you're gonna die and mm-hmm. like luigi doesn't want that yes yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, this was a launch title for the GameCube, and I thought I still think the visuals hold up in this game. I think it, it's a great-looking game, so uh, it's a lot of fun. I was playing this with my oldest daughter fairly recently, and she oh, nice. really liked it. So yeah, it's a it's a fun game. It's it's difficult too because like you are sucking up the ghost with the vacuum, and as you're, it's called the poltergust, and as you're sucking up the ghost, they're the ghosts are pulling all around the room, and you've got to really quick like move the analog stick with with the motions yep so if they go left you get to pull right basically go against their motions and uh, it can get pretty tricky yeah yeah, yeah. I, I remember this feeling like a like a cool ghostbusters game yeah. like we we never I, we we got in on the 360 era we did get good ghostbusters games later yeah. on but this was just like oh man it's not ghostbusters but like this is what i always imagined ghostbusting to be like yeah yeah i mean there were a handful of good ghostbusters games that came out like in the 90s so you know mm. there there were a few but oh, uh, yeah yeah i can agree with that yeah but these composers, Shinobu Tanaka, started out in 2001 with Dobutsu no, yeah, Dobutsu no Mori on the N64 and has done a handful of things between then and now. Uh, I, I see some Animal Crossing, some other Mario games like Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario Kart DS, Double Dash, uh, Wii Play. Their most recent game was actually in 2020 on Animal Crossing New Horizons on the Switch, mm -hmm. and then Kazumi Totaka, uh, a lot more g going on in this resume. Uh, going back to X on the Game Boy in 1992. Oh, man, I didn't realize Twitter was around back then. That's the Star Fox yes. uh, predecessor. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then you got Mario Paint in 1992 on the SNES. There, there's, there's so much here. Mm. Luigi's Mansion, Yoji, uh, Yoshi Touch and Go, Wii Sports, Super Mario Sluggers, Mario Kart Wii, Still active in this day and age. Uh, most recent credit here uh, is actually for voices on Mario Strikers Battle League. Mm -hmm. But the most recent music, I've got arrangement on Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, because who didn't work on that? Sure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, yep. Nice. And, uh, and, yeah, before we move on to our next track, uh, we do have another sponsor. Uh, this one from the Poltergust 4000. Right from the Luigi's Mansion series, we have the Poltergust 4000, the ultimate pet and ghost vacuum. Got a Siberian Husky you need to clean up molted fur from, but also want to capture ghosts? No problem. Thanks to this hybrid pet and ghost vacuum, you'll never have to worry about fur or hauntings again. Available exclusively at Dr. Egad's booth at this very festival. Yep. So if you go uh, take a left uh, right right by the uh, Danubrian Slime Devil lot, you'll mm -hmm. you'll see it. It's uh, right there on the on the right hand side. Yeah, it's not too far from the food court. Yeah, 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 yeah. Moving on, we're gonna move on to a survival horror game that came out called Run Like Hell, or RLH, as mm -hmm. it's been uh, acronymed. Uh, Xbox and PS2. This game came out on, I believe it was around 2004. We're gonna double check that, but Urge is the name of the track, and it's by Inan Zur and Albert Lloyd Olson. Thank <laughs> you. 
Oh man, that was a spooky track from Run Like Hell, also known as RLH. Uh, quick clarification, it came out in 2002 for the PS2 and 2003 for the Xbox. Hmm. Urge is the name of the song, and it's by Einan Zur and Albert Lloyd Olsen. I just want to quickly discuss the music on this one, because the hmm. audio credits are a mess here. <laughs> um, so... Einan Zur did the cinematic music. Mm -hmm. The music was recorded and mixed by Dori Amarillo. Game music is by Albert Lloyd Olson. And then there's a bunch of mixers and supervisors and audio scripting and all that stuff. But then there's songs. There's a bunch of different songs, and they're listed by different bands, different artists. Hmm. Brian Vance from Coma. Raymond Herrera, who was in Fear Factory. Oh, yeah. Rick Schaefer, credited for Womb Music. Will Lacanto, Loco Power. Polyamorous, Home, Water, Shallow Bay. Those are all the song credits. I don't know if those are like original songs that these guys wrote that are like featured in the soundtrack as well. Hmm. But on top of that, there's Breaking Benjamin music in this. <laughs> so Breaking Benjamin has, basically during the, the boss fights, mm -hmm. you hear this music that just doesn't fit with the rest of the music in the game. It's a very sci-fi, like, Star Trek meets... I don't want to say Saw, but, like, the whole plot of the game is you play as a character voiced by Lance Henriksen. His name is Captain Nicholas Connor. He is working on the space station, and you're walking through. You've got this super hot wife or girlfriend or whatever that is also on the station with you. She's a bit of a rookie in terms of weapons, and, you know, Nicholas is, like, the high and mighty weapons dude he goes off on a mission with another woman and when he comes back the ship is devastated like the, the inside is all you know torn apart there's people dead everywhere oh, and then the girl that you came on the ship with her she gets her head ripped off it's hilarious. Jeez. Yeah. Like, she's basically, she steps off the ship and she's like, what's going on? And then her head gets ripped off. It's hilarious. It's done in a very comical way. <laughs> I laughed. But I also have a dark sense of humor. So after that, you're basically, it's a survival horror action game. You're going through trying to find out the mystery of what happened on the ship. And it's kind of like, yeah, I'd say it's like Star Trek mixed with the movie Aliens. So Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, very similar. This track really kind of stood out to me. It was definitely very cinematic and really did remind me of something from Prince of Persia. Oh, so yeah. I was thinking, like, without the, you know, the whole Middle Eastern vibes, right, right. you know, instrumentation and style. But the tone of the song and the instrumentation really kind of threw back to that a little bit, like the newer Prince of Persia games. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. So that's why I was thinking Ainan Zur did this one, but I don't know. I can't confirm it. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it, it does. it does kind of have that cinematic feel to it. Mm -hmm. I would say this track... As far as like emotions or feelings go, this is a very stressful track. Like, yeah, the, the from from start to finish, I was just like, uh, there's something behind me, isn't there? Mm -hmm. It's like it's it just, it, it was a very stressful track, which is absolutely what it's meant to do. So I thought I thought it did its job very well. Mm. I thought the use of the different instruments and just like the squeaking and the fiddling with things was very effective. Mm. So the only reason I know of the game Run Like Hell is because of the advertisement campaign. Do mm -hmm. you remember? No, grab, I don't think so. Grab your balls and run like hell? Oh, no. Oh, yes. That's right. So in the game, I yeah, totally forgot about this. balls are in the game. It's it B-A-W-L-S. The, 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 the energy drink. The energy drink, yes. balls. 
There are, all around the game, there are vending machines. Yep. And you can get balls and drink balls. Yep. There's also pip bars from Fallout. So oh. Interplay Entertainment was the owner of this development studio at this time. So Interplay is best known as the creator of the Fallout series. Oh, wow. That's oh. why. I'm thinking of So most else. likely what okay. happened was Interplay owned the studio, and they were like, hey, let's toss some Fallout references in there. Yeah. So. Fair, fair. Yeah. Ainon Zur, we've talked about before, specifically when we did anything regarding Prince of Persia. <laughs> Started off with Star Trek Klingon Academy in 2000 for Windows. Did a War and Peace game in 2002 for Windows. Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2, Throne of Baal in 2003. Mm. The Prince of Persia series, starting with Warrior Within, mm. and also followed up with Two Thrones, Gauntlet Seven Sorrows. The Prince of Persia reboot in 2008. Basically, all the stuff that they did was like all AAA games for the most part. Their latest game is Starfield, which is a brand oh. new game for Windows and I think Xbox, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It came out somewhat recently. Yeah, very recently. So, And then Albert Lloyd Olson, much smaller list of credits. Started off with Shattered Steel in 1996 for DOS. And then Max Mechanized Assault and Exploration in 96 for Windows, doing the cinematics. Mm. Heavy Gear 2 in 99. MDK 2 in 2000 for the Dreamcast. Star Trek Klingon Academy in 2000. Again, working with Einan Zur and mm -hmm. Run Like Hell was their final game. Oh, wow. Okay. Indeed. So it looks like we have a patron walking up, and it's, yeah. uh, well, it's Ryan, Ryan McPherson. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Ryan. What's going on? What's up? Hey guys, quite the spooky shindig you got going on here. Might want to trademark that. <laughs> you mean spooky shindig. Good point, good point. Anyway, could you guys play Mother of Sanctuary from Diablo 4? Yeah, I think we can do that. All right, thanks. See ya. All right, let's hear Ryan's pick, Diablo 4 which came out on everything in 2023. <laughs> Mother of Sanctuary is the name of this song, and it's uh, by Ted Reedy and Leo Kaliski.
All right, that was Ryan McPherson's pick from Diablo 4. came out on everything in 2023. Uh, <laughs> I got it on PC. It's on Xbox and right. PS5 and 4 and all that stuff. Switch? Ah, uh, that's a question. Diablo 3 is on Switch. I don't know if Diablo 4 Probably made not. it to Switch yet. Probably not. Yeah. The track was Mother of Sanctuary, uh, as composed by Ted Reedy and Leo Kaliski. I've only played Diablo 2. Oh, uh, probably, probably the most time I've sunk into a Diablo game. Hmm. And when I say most time, I mean a couple hours. Ah. Diablo 3, I played with our buddy Kevin and yeah. his wife Caitlin and maybe you. I think we, you. We, we might have played at some point. We might have played and I just couldn't get into it. So yeah, it's well, just not my kind of game. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we, we've talked about that before, actually. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get it exactly when it came out. Mm. Uh, Kevin actually got it for me for my birthday, mm-hmm. and I've played it a lot. I've played through the main storyline. I've played through most of the current season, although by the time people are listening to this episode, the second season of Diablo 4 will have started, oh. but the first season is almost over, hmm. and uh, it's been okay. They, there's, there have been a number of, of issues. they put out a number of patches. The season itself just hasn't felt as strong as like the seasons they did in Diablo 3. Diablo-y? Yeah, well, like they're, they're Diablo-y. There's just not like a lot to do. Like it, it feels very grindy. And Would I don't mean say... like grinding to level up, just like doing the same couple of things over and over just for the sake of doing them. Would you say in comparison hmm? to Taco Bell sauces, there is a Diablo sauce. Oh, I love so the Diablo sauce. if Diablo sauce yeah. is as close as you can get to Diablo, I don't know, like Diablo 2, Diablo 3, etc., would this be like hot or fire or mild or verde? It's a good question. I'd say verde only Ooh. because verde is the different one of the four. Okay. Uh, or, okay. or maybe even the breakfast. Oh, the breakfast the Breakfast sauce. is different. So, okay. so I mean, this takes place in the same world. It deals with the same types of things. It takes place like 50 years after Diablo 3. Hmm. And so not that there was like peace and happiness for 50 years, but <laughs> things got better in the world for, for a while. And then at the start of this game, somebody goes and released Lilith, who is not a Lord of Hell or a primeval or anything, but she's the daughter of the Lord of Hatred, Mephisto, who is a primeval. So the story reveals that they call her the mother of Sanctuary because she basically, Sanctuary is the name of the world. Sure. And so she and an angel named Inarius basically created the world of Sanctuary as a sanctuary from the war between heaven and hell. Mm -hmm. And that's where humans live and humans are neither angels nor demons, but they're stuck in the middle of this conflict. Sure. Just to go back to this track, this track is playing in that final fight against Lilith. Ah. Mother of Sanctuary is the name of the track and the mother of Sanctuary is the title of Lilith. Okay, okay. Overall, all fun game. I enjoyed the story. Uh, I this song didn't do much for me personally. It's not really my my jam. But I kind of tune out a lot of like really kind of grindy tracks like this. It, it's like, what if you had industrial music, but it was composed by like a symphony? Hmm. You know, it's like that generic kind of like action movie music that they do in a lot of movies now, like Uh, a lot of big blockbuster movies that it just kind of sounds all the same to me. You know, you got that very hurried rush kind of sound that, I don't know, it just didn't really do much for me uh, to differentiate itself from other songs, from other games or movies Mm. with this exact type of soundtrack. But I'm also a melody guy. And there's not much melody here. No, I mean so to speak. You, you get melody in the chorus, but yeah, it, it's more kind of like slow and plotting than yes. anything else. So yeah. that's fair. Wasn't bad, but it's definitely video game music to listen to while you're playing this, but not necessarily like in your car driving around. That's fair. Yeah. 
Tell me about these composers, though. Yeah, so Ted Reedy has just a handful of credits here. He started out doing additional music on Dragon Age Inquisition in 2014, and then he did some music for Overwatch 2 in 2022 for Blizzard and stuck with them to be the lead composer on Diablo 4 in 2023. Hmm. No one can stop the Dragon Age Inquisition. Inquisition, correct. <laughs> Leo Kaliski started out in 2014 doing music on Hearthstone, Heroes of Warcraft, so that's the Blizzard card game that's kind of like Magic the Gathering, but very much simplified. Oh, oh, so it's like a card game video game? Yes, yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, okay, cool, cool. It's, it's pretty fun. I played it for a while back in the day when it first came out. I don't play it as much anymore, but I also don't play Magic as like, you mm. know, it ebbs and flows. It's, it's one of those games, like, sometimes I'm in the mood for it, and then I get played out. Sure. But he is another one that stuck around with Blizzard, or at least Activision. Uh, he was a software tester for Call of Duty Black Ops, but he has done music in World of Warcraft Battle for Azeroth, Warcraft 3 Reforged in 2020, Overwatch 2, and Diablo 4 as well, just like his buddy Ted there. Nice. And that brings us to our third sponsor of this Spooky Fest Festival 2023. This sponsor is Prosthetics by Wirt. If you need a replacement limb, why not buy from someone who's had one since he was a small child? Yes, that's right. Word of Tristram fame is finally putting his whittling skills to use for anyone and everyone. Hmm. Need a leg? What better use for a peg? Need an arm? No articulation means no harm. Is it an eye that you lack? A wooden replacement will have you back on track. Find him outside the cow level, access through the outhouse behind the stables in Saragar, Skogs Glen. Yeah. All right. So what do we got next? Up next is a journey back to 1987 Ooh. on the Famicom, a game that was exclusive to that. That was Megami Tensei Digital Devil Story. Ooh. This track is called Track 13, and it's by Tsukasa Masuko.
That game was Megami Tensei Digital Devil Story. This came out in the Famicom in 1987, and that track was by Tsukasa Masuko. It's called Track 13. Mm. What do you think about this one? This reminded me a lot of Tubular Bells. Like, this felt like a Famicom or NES 8-bit version of Tubular Bells. Exactly why I picked it. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like it. It's not a complaint of like, oh, this sounds so derivative. I, I don't care. Sure. I, I enjoy Tubular Bells, and I really, I also enjoy chiptunes. Mm-hmm. So this was a cool blending of the, those two things. Uh, I, I also, I don't think it, it's exactly. Like, I think it's oh, yeah. inspired by Tubular Bells, and it sounds like it. But For sure. It's it's definitely not the same. Right, right, right. It reminds me a lot of also, uh, like, Friday the 13th on the yeah. NES. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's got a... Nice. It's it's a bit repetitive for sure, um, and there's not a lot that goes on in it. You've got a pretty standard backing beat that kind of comes in just shortly after the song starts. You know, maybe about you know 25 seconds in or so. But overall, that melody kind of hooks you, and that kind of sweeping bass to the mm. kind of you know, it's like an up and down kind of bass. Yeah, and it's a constant. Like it's it's yeah. it's always there. It is it is very present and yeah. I think that that actually adds another like haunting level to the track itself. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I don't know much about this series. We've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah. So this one in particular is Digital Devil Story Megami Tensei. I don't believe that this came out outside of Famicom. No, I don't think so. There, no. there might have been ports. Like I, I feel yeah. like there was something on the PSP. And there's I, a PS2 game. I remember that, but, but yeah, no, yeah, not. But yeah, this. this is the beginning. Is this is this is the first Megami Tensei game? Isn't I think it? so. Yeah. So it's based on a series of horror novels mm. uh, written by a Japanese author named Aya Nishitani, and that was called a Digital Devil Story. Uh, uh, Megami yes. Tensei is translated as Goddess Reincarnation. So it's a first-person JRPG. It's got turn-based combat, but it is entirely just like maze traversing. Hmm. You know, so it's like uh, if you've ever played Fester's Quest and you get inside the buildings, it's like that. Or like Arcana or like Deja Vu. Hmm. Those types of games where you are moving around a hallway or a corridor so those games, unfortunately, a lot of them all look very similar in terms of the backgrounds. So when it comes to being in a maze, you really are in a maze. <laughs> you get lost pretty quick in a lot of these types of games. Yeah, you got to like keep track of where you are on your own personal piece of paper. Like graph paper helps. Right, right. But. You could summon demons in this game, which is pretty neat. And it is a very different thing that you can do in this series that you can't do in in others prior to it. Mm -hmm. And you can also communicate with various different demons that you find through a computer. So you summon them and then you fight them. So very Pokemon-esque in a weird way. You could also fuse them. Like if you go into a building and you find like a computer system or something like that, you can use these special facilities to fuse them with uh, each other. So that way you can create like a more powerful you know monster so neat pretty cool so i don't know it's not really my kind of game or my cup of tea but i thought the track was really kind of spooky yeah i thought it was appropriately spooky yeah tsukasa masuko is credited for this one and they are a long time video game music composer starting off with tekken world cup in 1985 on the arcade 
funny that we mentioned Friday the 13th because they're the composer on it. Ah, there you go. Again, uncredited. A lot of their early NES and Game Boy stuff was uncredited. I was going to say, a, a lot of that, the stuff in like the 80s and probably early 90s is uncredited, I'm yep. sure. Yep. Zexis, Quirk, Digital Devil Story, Megami Tensei 2, so they continued it. Then they jumped to the PlayStation era, doing games for the PlayStation like Devil Summon or Soul Hackers. Their latest game as a composer is Monarch, which came out in 2022 for Windows and PS4. And okay. I think it also came out on the Switch and PS5. Neat. Yeah, so they're still going strong to this day. Not really doing as much lately, but uh, yeah, still making video game music. Very cool. Nice, nice. Yeah. I really like this composer and the tracks that they've done. Karate Kid has a great soundtrack Mm. on the NES. I love that game. Super nostalgic for me, so I'm always happy to hear this composer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't say I'm familiar with a lot of their later work, but some of their earlier stuff, like you said, Friday the 13th and this, Mm -hmm. I dig that music. And actually, I think think you played a track from Friday the 13th on a previous Spooky Fest. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, it was the uh, camp building music when you go into the camp counselors like cabins, so yeah. Nice. Yeah, what do you got next? I really love this next game that you picked. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be from Dead Space. This came out in the PC, PS3, Xbox 360 in 2008. This isn't the new remake. The remake, right? Yeah, this is the old Dead Space from 2008. I can't believe they rebooted that. Like, it's... Uh, I don't know. We'll get into it. Yeah. So the track is Welcome Aboard the USG Ishimura, composed by Jason Graves and Rod Abernathy.
Welcome back, festival goers. That was Welcome Aboard the USG Ishimura from Dead Space, the 2008 PC, PS3, and Xbox 360 game, as composed by Jason Graves and Rod Abernathy. Oh man, Mm -hmm. Dead Space, great game. A lot of really tension building in this track. Uh, Oh yeah. (laughs) Those violins were definitely bringing me back to playing through this one when it came out. I I got it when it came out and played through it. And I remember our mutual friend, Brian, who's been on the show before, Mm -hmm. he and I were uh, at my old apartment and he had his girlfriend who was also a gamer. And we were just hanging out and playing through the game. And if we played during the day, we would close the curtains. (laughs) So it was, you know, we could set the mood. Yeah. But man, it was a lot of fun playing through this and definitely like a lot of jumps. Like I I jumped a lot playing this. It was super good though. Yeah. I mean, this game has a lot of different types of horror. I mean, you've got the necromorphs, which are kind of like space zombies. Yeah. I was, I was going to compare them to the xenomorphs from aliens, but they're not really, they're not really comparable other than, you know, they, they are a, a similar threat. Yeah. And the name both ends in morph. But you've, you've got a lot of that kind of stuff. It, it feels very alien, aliens uh, yeah. in that sense. But then there's also like the psychological aspect of the, the hallucinations and not being able to tell what's real versus like what's, what's a hallucination yeah. when it happens. There's a lot going on in this game that made me never play it. <laughs> <laughs> not big on the spooky, scary, real stuff. Like uh, spooky, yeah. I've got plenty of, you know, music and stuff stuff like that that I like, but I'm not really into horror. Mm, right. Anyway, Dead Space. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's three games, and there's also a reboot coming up. Yeah, that came out in January. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so yeah, mm. the, the type of horror that this game is, I don't think I'd be able to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It's a really fun game. The weapons are awesome. Mm. Just everything about it is great. One of the things I really loved about Dead Space was there wasn't really a HUD Oh, yeah. There's no real HUD in the game. HUD is, for those of you who don't know, heads-up display. Basically, like, when you see life bars or stuff like that. Yeah, you know, ammo, uh, count, ammo count. All yeah, that stuff yeah, on yeah. screen. Yep. So that's not there in the game, technically. What they do is they build it into the back of your character. Yes. Name yes. of your character is Isaac Clark, mm-hmm. which is a combination of Isaac Asimov and, I believe, Arthur C. Clark. C. Clark, yes. Yeah, both writers. So Both sci-fi writers. Right, right. It's a really fun game. Highly recommended during this time of the year. Very spooky. Oh, absolutely. Terrifying in in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Very, very dark. Uh, the, yeah. the ending, I'm not going to ruin the ending for anybody who wants to play it, but the, I mean, the ending is dark and kind of depressing. Yeah, 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 for sure. I haven't played the sequels. I own them, but I haven't sat down with them. So mm. maybe I'll do that. I've heard the third one is not great. Um, I've heard the second one is pretty good. Uh, the yeah. thir- so the second one plays, from what I understand, very similarly to the first. Okay. And then th- the third one, they tried to change the formula a little bit. There are a handful of things that are different, either additions or subtractions from yeah. the recipe. And uh, I think that's why it just didn't uh, didn't go over as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they remade this. It really kind of still holds up, in my opinion. Mm. But I don't know. That's just me. The composers on this one, though. Yeah. Uh, We've definitely talked about Rod Abernathy a handful of times. Mm-hmm. But just to kind of touch on that again, started out doing music in The Revenge of Shinobi in 2002 Game Boy Advance game. Has done Star Trek games, Star Trek Tactical Assault, Star, mm-hmm. Star Trek Legacy in 2006. A lot of stuff. Even up to the new Dead Space that came out in 2023, he is listed as associate composer. 
Ah, okay. So okay. he is a very prolific <laughs> hmm. composer for our time. We talked about Dead Space on episode 10. That's right. Which was our survival horror episode with, with Avalanche Jared. Yes. Yep. Also known as Avalanche Reviews now. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I knew this game had come up at some point because I remember talking about it. Yeah, I think the track I picked for that episode was Do Not Vomit, Do Not Shout. Yes, yeah. yes. Would have went really well with... The acid vomit. With, or with sour, sour, sour puke. Vomit. Sour puke, yeah, there you go. <laughs> sour puke. Ugh. But uh, Jason Graves started out doing orchestral music on the Hobbit game that Rob also worked on. And they've worked on a lot of the same stuff together. Again, t- Star Trek Tactical Assault, Star Trek Legacy, Black Sight Area 51, 2007, Dead Space all over the place. Okay. <laughs> Dead Space 1, 2, and 3. He, yeah. uh, he's listed on Fear, the F3AR game from back in 2011. Oh, right, right. Wasn't there also a Dead Space light gun game or like a shooter game that was like a rail shooter uh, i think it was called aftermath or something like that if so he did not work on that oh, okay. uh, I, I don't see that listed here anyway mm. but he also did friday the 13th moss in 2018 most recently he also worked as a composer and conductor for dead space in 2023 mm-hmm. and then the dark pictures switchback vr which came out in 2023 okay so that is it for those composers cool well we've got one final sponsorship to go over, and that's for Dredger Corp upgrade modules. Justin, is your spacesuit just not performing to your standards? It's not, actually. Okay, well, is three horizontal lights across your face mask not enough to see what you need in dark corners of haunted spaceships? Maybe, just maybe, you just need more space to store your oxygen tanks and status packs. I do. Well, Dredger Corp has you covered with the best rig upgrades space money can buy. With prices as low as 10,000 credits, you too can improve your chances of survival in the coldest, most haunted edges of space. Available at any safe room scattered around the festival. I'll have to check those out. Oh, for sure. And it looks like we are getting another patron walking right. up. Look at that. I think that looks like Rage Cage, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's definitely a Rage Cage sighting. <laughs> hey, man. What's happening? Hey, guys. Oh, hold on, let me get this off of me. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Uh, good to see you again, Mike, and get to actually get to meet you, Justin. This is a pretty cool shindig you got going on here. I'm glad I was able to drag myself out of the shop. <laughs> yeah, I, I was wondering if you could play a song. Um, it's called His Room from the Silver Case, uh, composed by Masafumi Takata. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, this is a bit more creepy than it is uh, spooky, but I hope it fits for your spooky fest vibe. Most excellent. Well, I hope you guys take it easy. Enjoy the rest of your spooky fest. Oh, man, this is great. Usually, every time I... Get in contact with them, I get screeched in the ear, but this is great. Oof. Janine, leave him alone. It's bad enough you yell at him when he calls in on the phone. Honestly. Leave him alone at this festival. This guy. Sorry, man. Anyways, Rage Gage has picked the silver case, and the track was his room. This came out in the PS1 in 1999, and the soundtrack is by Masafumi Takata.
Hey, that was Rage Cage's pick from a game called The Silver Case. That was a PS1 game that came out in 1999. His Room was the name of the track, and that was by Masafumi Takata. Man, I really dig the use of phone tone as as percussion. <laughs> I, I love that you said that because on the couple of things that I, that I wrote down as we were listening, the last thing I wrote is, did somebody leave a phone off the hook? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I've seen it <sighs> in, uh, in, in not this particular style, but any game that uses sound effects mm-hmm. as percussion, that is so good. Agreed. It's really It really sets a different tone and atmosphere to a track. Exactly. Atmosphere is, is what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it as kind of a funny thing, but I absolutely agree. When when it's used like that, it, it's not really that distracting. It, it it was used throughout the entire song. It wasn't until cl- closer to the end that I was just like, oh, oh, hey, did someone leave a phone off the hook? <laughs> like, my brain was like actually tuning into it, but yeah. it, it was just kind of in the background and it made sense until I like focused in on it. Hmm. This is actually the very first Grasshopper developed title. Oh. That was a studio that was founded by Goichi Suda or Suda51. You may know them for the Killer7 or No More Heroes games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they really didn't have a lot of resources when it came to making this game. Very short staff, limited numbers as far as that goes. But this is a adventure visual novel style game. It came out on initially PlayStation, but it was later remastered and released digitally for Windows, Mac, also PS4. There was a Nintendo DS port that was in the works, but it never happened. And then they released a, it on the Switch in 2021. So pretty neat. If they've translated this to English, I'd love to play it because these types of games were like you've got kind of creepy vibes mixed in with the adventure visual novel stuff. It's kind of something I want to explore more, so. That sounds like it might be interesting. I did see that the listings mentioned, you know, visual novel and uh, an adventure. You're solving a serial murder mystery and you can oh. play up uh, uh, two different characters and uh, the scenarios are different for each one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say with the type of game it, it is, uh, this feels like, you know, one of our earlier tracks where we had said, you know, what was it? Secret of Mana. It's mm. not a spooky, scary game, yeah. but it is like that track wa- fits with the with the theme yeah. and, and, and the festival. Uh, and this, I was going to say the same thing. Like if, if this game, if the rest of the music in this game is not like this, then this is a good standout track. Mm-hmm. There's good use of like discordant notes. Like it doesn't sound bad. It just sounds like creepily, eerily discordant. Also, I like how the melody occasionally gets aggressive. I wrote like, this song sounds like the performer is angry at me. Like <laughs> there, there are parts where I'm just like, I, I can see somebody like playing an instrument and just like playing it angrily while yeah. staring at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that this got a physical release possibly i don't know it's on sale right now on amazon but i can't tell if it's like just for a physical game with a code in it or if it's like a an actual like on cart game so what about uh masafumi takata yeah masafumi takata is a well-known composer amongst grasshopper so Mm. been with grasshopper pretty much since the beginning their first game that they did sound programming on was Run Mahath Battle Renaissance, a PlayStation game. And then they kind of jumped around and uh, worked on different projects like Vanguard Bandits in 1998, which I believe was a working designs game. Yes, yes yep. it was. 
this game was done in 1999, and there were a few games done after that, like Flower, Sun, and Rain, which later came out on the, I think, the DS, if I recall. They did the score composition for games like God Hand. Oh. So, and they were also the sound director on that one. After that, they kind of started jumping to games that were a little bit more uh, higher noted as far as stuff like Resident Evil, The Umbrella Chronicles, No More Heroes, The Flower, Sun, and Rainport on the DS, uh, stuff like Infinite Space, which I believe was a Sega game or Sega published game, Kid Icarus Uprising. They worked on some music composition for that. After that, they were the lead music composer on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutants in Manhattan which was a newer Turtles game that came out. They did stuff on Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And their latest game is Master Detective Archives Rain Code, which came out this year for the Switch. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they're, they're still working today. Nice. Yeah. One of these days we'll have to maybe do a spotlight on them. They've got some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, no, they've done some, some killer stuff. Yeah. Ha, no pun intended. Killer 7. But up, up, but up, up. Yes. Wah. All right. Close us out. What are you uh, ending this year's Spooky Fest with? All right. I'm going to end us with a Halloween game called Halloween Chronicles Evil Behind a Mask. This is actually kind of going back to our I Spy Spooky Mansion. So we're coming full circle here. Ooh. This is uh, an- another like find the items type of, type of game. It's got some pretty neat music. It came out in 2019 for the PC. The track is called Touch the Fingertips and it has an unknown composer. Right, you're back, and that is it. We are wrapping up and closing down the fest. We finished our voodoo Mountain Dew. Almost. That's why we're, we're, we're wrapping up. Once these mugs are gone, yep, we're we, gone. We, we, we are gone <laughs> for another 
month. Extinguishing our fall candle like the Midnight Society of VGM. <laughs> yes, so. but that track that you just heard was Touch the Fingertips from Halloween Chronicles Evil Behind a Mask, the 2019 game that came out in PC. I could not find a composer on this. This is an unknown until somebody tells me and then I'll know. <laughs> <laughs> Very creepy. I love the chorus vocals, though. Oh, the, the theremin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wait, no, that wasn't. That was vocals, wasn't it? There might have been vocals in there, but the the overall like I, I felt like it was a female voice, like a. I mean, maybe it was a theremin, and I just didn't realize. But yeah, I mean, theremins kind of sound voice-ish. <laughs> you kind of sound um, the voice-ish. Nice. I also could be wrong, and and maybe I, I assumed it was a theremin, so it just sounded like a theremin to me. Maybe. I'll have to give it a, a, another listen uh, after you called it a vocal, and yeah. uh, maybe you're right. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. But either way, um, I dug it. Yeah, I thought it was an appropriate closer and especially with our intro going full circle back around to a hidden object game. Mm -hmm. That's what they call them these days. <laughs> I really liked the vibe from this song. Like you said, the, the theremin gives it the overall creepy, spooky vibes. The very like twinkly melody mm. going on with those keys there. It gives me what I want to end this fest with. It gives me the willies. It does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. But yeah, this game, like I said, it is a uh, hidden object game. So you are going through and your uncle Oswald invites you to his shop for Halloween. And uh, nobody's expecting any of the spooky things or the scares that, that he has planned to be real. But what turns out to be a cursed mask turns your father into a horrible creature. And he won't rest until all the monsters have returned. So it's up to you to stop them before they can summon the Lord of Nightmares himself, the Boogeyman. Ooh. But it's neat. Like There are many different locations. you got to go from location to location, find the things you need to progress the story. Cool. And it's all fairly cut and dry. I've never seen a hidden object game like this with, like, multiple endings. I, I don't think this has multiple endings, but it always interests me. Like, it's a very linear game. You can kind of go wherever you want and do it however you want. It's almost reminiscent of, like, the King's Quest type uh, type games. Oh, cool. Sierra games, where, like, you, you're going from place to place and you got to find all the things. But in those games, it's a little bit more interaction. And with these games, it's, you know, you find the things, and sometimes you find a thing, and that opens up another screen where, okay, so you found this specific thing, or you found this, this area, and now there's, like, a kind of a scavenger hunt. There's just a bunch okay. of stuff in a small area and you got to find all the right things. Mm. They're neat. Like I said, kind of like the, the nonograms and the Sudokus and the puzzle games. It's very kind of low stakes. Like the story gives it stakes, but in reality, it's it's more linear than anything else. Sure. It's not like you're timed and the world's going to end if you don't finish the game in two hours or anything. <laughs> Look for the things, keep your brain moving and have a good time. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was a good one to close us out with. I thought so. We'd love to know what your favorite tracks are for this Spooky Fest episode. Now's the time where we pick ours. So, Justin, what's your favorite pick of this Spooky Fest? The Laser Ghost track was fun. It made me laugh a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did enjoy that one. Luigi's Mansion, I gotta say, uh, I know it's one of my picks, but I really enjoyed the Luigi humming along yeah. and trying to keep himself from getting too scared. Mm -hmm. And I liked Rage Cage's pick, the the silver case. That was proper spooky. Yeah. How about you? I got to go with your Luigi's Mansion track as my absolute favorite. Just brings me back to playing that game and just really enjoy all the music in that game. So yeah, Luigi's Mansion is going to be my pick for that. Of the tracks that I picked, probably the Laser Ghost track, just because it's very mm. jazzy and I really like yeah. the walking bass line <laughs> mixed with that kind of borderline free jazz. 
Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. I, I I did enjoy those bits of that track. Mm-hmm. So let us know what you think of this episode in our various social medias, or just shoot us an email, whatever you'd like. So we'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon patrons, without whom this show's continued improvement would be impossible. They are Cam Worma, Jordan and Anson Davis, Rage Cage, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, Scott McElhone, Chris Myers, Brad Austin, Chris Murray, Llama Adam, Marcus Stewart, Nick Davis, and Ryan McPherson. If you would like to become a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com slash xvgmradio. There you can see the different tiers as well. Just $1 gets you a thank you at the end of the show and access to our monthly live shows. You can visit our website, xvgmradio.com, where you can listen to all the episodes and learn more about your hosts, as well as any of our guests or composers that we've had on the show. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can always email us at xvgmradio at gmail.com. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. You can join our Facebook group and chat with other VGM lovers at facebook.com slash groups slash XVGM radio, where we talk about everything from current game news to sharing awesome VGM tracks or just talking about the podcast itself. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle on both of those sites is at XVGM radio. If you don't have any other social media or just want to try something unique, check us out on our Discord group chat. Links will be in the show notes. All right. So before we get to our next episode topic and info, Justin, we've got a few quick things just to run over specifically regarding this month and the things that we did this month that have already passed. Yeah. So this spooky fest episode is hitting your ears very close to the end of the month of October or possibly later. But earlier in the month, on the 15th, we had a good time for the patrons. It's been a while since we've had a patron live show. Mm-hmm. Uh, life has been crazy yes. in, uh, in many, many ways, and oh, we, yeah. we love our patrons, and thank you for your patience. But if you haven't, check it out. Our annual Spooky Fest backstage pass, this time we actually had a focus, so instead of doing just you know more spooky tracks, right. we had a focus on Segakumajo Gensetsu. Yeah, that's the Akumajo Densetsu, so Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse, Genesis remake of the original Famicom soundtrack for that game. And it was done by Karina de Alejandro. So we had her on the show and it was a blast. And we had a great time going over a bunch of really awesome Castlevania songs. Mm. So that was cool to do. Switch it up a little bit. That aired on 1015. So you can go back and check that out if you're a patron. It's still up. So yeah, along with all our other previous Backstage Passes episodes, too. So if you're in the mood for something spooky, you can listen to all those. And we encourage it. Absolutely. And then there was an After Dark that we did. XVGM After Dark is when we listened to VGM Vinyl. We listened to it on the twitch.tv slash shock 83J16. Yep, that's my Twitch channel. Channel, yep. So Resident Evil's Drama Vinyl is the one that we listened to. It's basically a mix of Resident Evil 1 tunes with the voiceover, the awesomely hilarious and great original dub of Resident Evil. So I highly encourage you to check that one out. Really fun listen. Yeah, that was a good time. 
And yeah, so we had said we were doing that one in September, and then September happened, and yeah. and that did not. So right, uh, we then decided, you know, this is actually perfect vinyl for October time. So yeah. we did it in October. In November, we've got Super Dodgeball coming up for XVGM After Dark. Justin's going to be unboxing and playing the Super Dodgeball soundtrack, and I'll be there with all my dodgeball gear on. Yes, you you better be, because... I, I should. Yeah, that finally <laughs> arrived. I pre-ordered it when it came Earlier out. Earlier this year, yeah. Yeah, and it, uh, it showed up towards the middle of September. Mm-hmm. I was very excited to get it, and I have not opened it yet, so I am champing at the bit to get to it, and we'll have to wait until November to do so. Fantastic. Yep. In addition to that, there is no live show for that month. No, no, no live show in November. Right. But we have an unalive show. No, we have <laughs> we have a regular episode coming out in November. Our next episode is going to be Infernax with Jason Latorno. Yeah, he's the composer of Infernax, which is a very much inspired by Castlevania 2 mm. game. So check it out. If you've played the game, you know how cool it is and how great the soundtrack is. So I'm really excited to listen to this one with Jason and talk about his influences and everything else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. And one other thing before we sign off, this year, as I have done every year, I am doing an Extra Life stream. Extra Life weekend officially is the weekend of November 4th this year, but I will not be around for that. And in fact, most of my November is pretty packed. So (laughs) what I'm doing instead of delaying it is doing it a week early. So the last weekend of October. So Halloween weekend. Yes. So the 27th, 28th, and 29th, I will be doing my 24 hours of video game streaming for Extra Life to help sick kids with cancer. If you haven't already seen it in the Discord or anywhere else that we've posted, I have a link to my Extra Life page, extralife.org slash participant slash Justin dash Schneider. That will take you to my Extra Life page where you can watch the stream through that page. You can also watch it through my Twitch channel, uh, which we mentioned earlier. You can also make donations to the charity on that page. There are also incentives during the streams. You can donate a dollar to make me stop playing and take a drink of water because sometimes we play games and we forget to hydrate. (laughs) Uh, You can also donate $5 to make me stop playing a game and go grab one of my Sphinx cats and uh, harass them on the stream for a while. (laughs) There's a couple of incentives that you do not have to wait for the streams. So for $10, you can set a game challenge for me. Any of the games that you see that I'm playing, donate $10 and tell me to do a specific thing. And if I can't do the thing, I will match the donation when I complete the stream weekend. And then for $20, you can pick a game for me to play on Sunday. So Sunday is divided up into five two-hour blocks. And uh, you can pick a game off of the list that I provide on my Extra Life site and say, hey, play this game for two hours and just let me know which time slot you want. Uh, Those are limited, so if you get to the website and you don't see that incentive, check my schedule and you'll probably see that Sunday has games listed instead of open slots. But yes, please do consider jumping in and donating to help sick kids with cancer. Absolutely. So we'll see you in one month where we'll continue the spooky with Infernax. This is Mike. And Justin. Signing off for XVGM Radio. Ooh.